Hello and welcome to this very special festive edition of the Golf Shake podcast with me, Kieran Clark, and I am joined this wonderful Christmas time by Golf Shake's very own ambassador, Mr. Matt Holbrook. Matt, welcome to the Golf Shake podcast. Well, I suppose I should say Merry Christmas to you. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to everyone listening. I um, can't believe we're here. It's 20th of December. It's, uh, yeah, this year's flown by, but it's good, good to be back on and, and wrapping up the year with you. Well, you know, I'm disappointed that you said that because we're trying to create an illusion here that we're actually sitting together on Christmas Day doing this podcast. You just gave the game away there by saying it was the 20th <laughs> of December. So, listeners, forget that Matt ever said that and just pretend that we're sitting here right now with our Christmas jumpers, the mince pies are next to us. We're sitting there all stuffed after a big hefty Christmas dinner and we're sitting reflecting on our past year in golf well that's what I'm wanting to do anyway but unfortunately I have no company this Christmas so it'll just be on my own so I'll have my imaginary conversation with Matt Holbrook so listeners if you're having a if you're tired of the relatives this Christmas or the friends or you want a bit of time on your own well spend Christmas with myself and Matt and obviously the new year as well this is a special festive edition of the Golf Shake podcast looking back on the, our past year in golf, Golf Shake's past year and really anything that obviously it's a time of year of reflection, the end of the season and our ambitions going forward as well into 2019 and obviously it's a time of year to look back on what you did, look forward to next year, set your goals, set your objectives and see how you can do into, into next year as you try obviously to improve your game and play more golf and do all the things that we all kind of aspire to have in the game. So, you know, Matt, obviously, as I said there, it is, of course, Christmas Day. You wake up in the morning, your, your Christmas tree's there, you have all these wonderful golf, or potential golf gifts sitting under the tree. As a golfer, you're thinking, right, this could, be, this, this could either go really well or really badly. Obviously, as a golfer... All your relatives and friends will know that, well, what can we get Matt Holbrook for Christmas? Well, I know he likes golf, doesn't he? So hmm, that, that's a, and if the people involved are not golfers, then that could be a potentially disastrous incident where they can get you anything. And uh, there have been, of course, every golfer, I think, has some story of uh, some random and disastrous or golf gift through the years. One that they try and put on the brave smile and the grimace and say, oh, this is wonderful, and then forget about it after that point. But of course, on the flip side, some golf gifts are, of course, very meaningful and very thoughtful and also you know, worth having. So, Matt, in terms of your your golf uh, golf uh, haul at Christmas through the years, what have been some of the worst and indeed best Christmas golf gifts that you have received? Wow. <laughs> okay, so I've um, – so firstly, let me start by saying that I've actually trained – most of my family now and they know to get me the, the 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 correct balls and the correct gloves um you know that's that's a perfect present for me because it means i haven't got to go out and buy it myself um a couple of years ago my little sister had got me um a pair of them big blue horrendous golf ball finding glasses um and they look absolutely terrible but what i will say is uh, i don't know if anybody else has ever had them but they do actually work um, I don't know if you've ever used them, but they do work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I actually had some family over on Sunday for for Christmas, and the the look of excitement on my mum's face when she handed me a present and said, "I must open it now." Um, and to my absolute jubilation, when I tore the wrapper off of it with excitement, there was a set of six emoji golf balls which obviously I can't wait to go out and play with. <laughs> astonishing, astonishing. Yeah, 
Bless her. Well, well, indeed. So uh, again, you had to kind of put on that brave smile there and thank her. But I suppose as a, I don't know, as a, as a golfer and as someone active on social media, it probably made sense to get you emoji golf balls. But um, I suppose that yeah, maybe it wasn't the best thing. But however, yeah. I'm sure you. But there are there, there have been over the years as well. There have been there have been some good. Like I say, my wife's pretty well trained now. She knows exactly what to get me. Well um, and a couple. <laughs> yeah, and a, a few years ago, she actually got me a, a little box of surprising golf trivia. Oh. And inside this little box is about a thousand little pieces of cards mm. that have got little uh, little pieces of golf trivia that is uh, quite obscure. Some of them you might have heard of before. Some of them you haven't. So. During the podcast, I might just throw a few of them in randomly to um, to spice it up a little bit. Not that it needs spicing up. Well, I, I, was about, I was about to say, I was, I was almost offended there for a second. But however, that sounds <laughs> good fun. So let's have one of them right now then. Right, let's have one. So on Turnberry Golf Course in 1963, a husband and wife playing on opposing sides of a foursomes both scored a hole-in-one at the 11th hole. Wow. There you have it. Well, there you go. You've heard it all now. Well, that's it. You see, right there, that is... Uh, so if you ever invite Matt Holbrook over for Christmas dinner, that's the kind of chat you get from him. So that's his party trick right there. <laughs> so uh, we'll have more of those fascinating facts. I feel like I'm in, a, in Alan Partridge right now giving you random facts on the radio. But, um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm stacked. I'm stacked with them over here. So you just tell me when you want the next <laughs> yes, one. Yes, we shall cue you in at various points. But yeah, so... As I say, every every golfer I think can um, empathise with uh, getting the random golf gifts, sort of a, a trepidation. But of course, you know you have you have some good ones too. You know anyone who gets you, you know a, a good set of golf balls or even tees or gloves or anything, kind of the basic equipment for the year ahead. It's obviously very useful to have. Um, I I'm just grateful for anything. So I'll, I'll take anything. You know people can mail it to me right now. I'll, I'll, I'll take any sort of present they can they can offer me because. Uh, and, um, it's a low, a low bar for me, I'm afraid, these days. But however, uh, in terms of really good Christmas presents, I think rather than going into the negative, um, it's a really positive one that sticks out in my mind. I remember when I had, I, I was kind of getting back into playing golf when I was a teenager. I must, I was probably, I think I might have been 16 at the time. And I remember one Christmas getting this little card in, in an envelope and I opened it up and it was a confirmation that I had a golf club membership for the next year. And I hadn't been a golf club member since I was uh, younger than 12, really. So it was just getting back into the game after playing a little bit when I was a child, then getting back into it in my mid-teens. And having a, a golf club membership was something that was very meaningful. Um, so that was, that was something that meant a great deal to me and one that sort of sticks out in my head even now. So I think that was probably uh, the best golf gift I could ever have. And I think in many ways... Some some of the best gifts you can get aren't the material things that are in a box. Sometimes it's actually the things that mean more going forward. And uh, that was a little card with a little confirmation I had a membership at. And the golf course was Mufel Golf Club in Perthshire. A very small nine-hole course with actually nine holes and 18 tees. Very nice golf course in the rural part of Perthshire, not far from Glen Eagles, actually. And that was kind of where I had a golf club membership for a couple of years and um the first year I was there, I got the confirmation of that at Christmas time. So that was one that really did stand out as being a, a meaningful Christmas gift. And it's one that, um, you know, as I say, it, it kind of put me on the path to where I am now. So that's one that does stand out as being, you know, probably the best uh, that I've had. So I think, you know, in terms of the worst ones, uh, I can't really think of too many that stand out as being particularly bad. I mean, quite fortunate in that respect through the years that people kind of, uh, they either 
maybe they were giving me, giving me a voucher for you know a golf shop or something like that, rather than actually going out and trying it to buy it themselves. Um, so I, I've been quite fortunate when it comes to Christmas golf gifts through the years. So. So you've never had the uh, you've never had the toilet putting mat. You know I haven't, and, and what you have just said there is oh, referencing. I've got three. I can post one up to you. Greatest, you, you had the to- toilet putting mat, have you? I've had three over the oh, years. I'll, I'll send one up to you. I can't believe. <laughs> why didn't you mention that before? Surely that would be the worst Christmas golf gift. Put it this way: I, I think actually I'm going to stand by here. I'm going to support your know, Matt's mum here because how can you put emoji golf balls as being worse than? Than um, you know, a toilet putting mat. Come on, that's very harsh. Uh, I think it's just because it's fresh, and you know? I it's, it's fresh in my head because it was only on the weekend. So, oh, it, um, it, yeah, it, it's it's normally it's normally work based stuff like Secret Santa. Yes. Um, you know, you like that. I was, oh, Matt plays golf. Okay, I can get him a, a golf mug with some wooden tees and a pitch mark repairer, or I can get him a toilet putting mat. Is you know, Stan, if you go onto Google and just type in, you know, cheap golf gift or last minute gift, they're the sort of things that come up, but they're the things that we really don't want. Stop buying us, stop buying them for us. Yeah, that's the thing, because in the end, you know, all golfers are obviously very serious about their golf, so we don't like the novelty presence. It's not a joke to us. We love our games. So don't, don't try and mock it with your putting mats and all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, I, do, I still think that was very harsh on, on your mum there to, to put that ahead of, the, you know, the. The putting mat. I mean, come on, that that's ridiculous. You know, and you said there that the because it's fresh in your mind, which of course the toilet would not be fresh in your mind. But that's besides the point. But um, that's true, particularly after Christmas dinner. No, but, um, that's true. <laughs> moving indeed swiftly on, so yeah, a toilet putting mat, and that actually features <laughs> in a, a popular article on the golf sheet website you know, with the uh, nightmare Christmas golf gifts. It's one of them we have there. So with the toilet putting mat. Um, we have also have other things that are featured there were exploding golf balls, which would be quite a novelty thing. Uh, we see an awful lot of those actually on, um, you know, we see them in driving ranges through the years. Actually, on the tour as well, people tried to kind of play a prank on other players in the past and do that. So, um, yeah, so, but of course, we're all sitting here moaning about some of the worst gifts, some of the best gifts, but and ultimately, we are, of course, grateful people. And anything we receive, we are obviously very appreciative of and are very thankful for and uh, in the end of course uh, to me i guess it's probably the best gift you could actually have at christmas is sort of permission to go out and play golf on boxing day i think it's probably the best way of uh, that's probably the best gift you can actually get so hopefully there'll be a few of you out there playing golf around christmas time and uh, on the golf course and hopefully taking advantage of some decent weather and uh, getting wrapped up warming out there and maybe play with some friends or family and sort of see out the year that way uh, that's probably actually that, that, that'd be a dream for us all. But of course, it really depends on um, the kind of part of the country that you're in and obviously what the weather is like around that week. So obviously, at this time of year, it can be very unpredictable. But of course, you know, there are exceptions and um, there are many golf courses at this time of year that remain in very good condition, remain fully open. And uh, it's worth sourcing those out. And actually, you can, you can find some of those golf courses on the, the Golf Sheet website too. It's some of the best winter golf courses to go and play. Actually, Matt, it's quickly on that note. Obviously, you're someone who plays an awful lot of golf. Um, no, not me. <laughs> you know, you're guilty as charged. So you play all, you play a reasonable amount of golf throughout the year. But at this time of year, you know, are, have there been particular golf courses at this time of year that you've played that stand out as being you know very good in terms of their condition at winter that perhaps some of the listeners might want to go out and try and play if they're anywhere near there? Yeah, well, I'm quite lucky in the sense that I'm quite close to. Um, so I live in Suffolk, but it's you know fairly close to Norfolk as well, um, and mm. we're quite close to the coast. So what we have is lots of um, linksy sand-based courses, 
um, absolutely littered around this area. Uh, places like Felixstowe, um, uh, you know, and then just going up around the coast, Cromer, Sheringham, Hunstanton, um, Albra, Faulkness. Um, and these are these are top draw golf courses anyway, all year round. But this time of year, um, you know, even even as close as um, in Ipswich, you know, like Purdis Heath and, and Woodbridge, um, you know, Heathland courses as well that are inland a little bit. Um, I was actually playing at Purdis last week and, you know, it's in absolutely stunning condition. And if you get a nice winter's day where the sky is blue, there's no wind and the sun is out, mm-hmm. I don't think there's any place oh, there you'd you rather that, be. That's a validation right there. And, uh, you know, so if you're in that area, people listening to this right now, then, you know, do, if you want to play some golf, there's some great golf courses there. As Matt said there, you know, some of them are actually, you know, fantastic golf courses in their own right. And I rank very highly on the golf sheet rankings and really anywhere else, of course, as well. So certainly worth checking out. Again, those kind of linksy style courses, more the sand-based courses, they all tend to dry up very quickly at this time of year. So they're they're really ideal to go out and play. And obviously up here in Scotland, we have quite a few of those golf courses too. And um, yeah, when you get out there on a, a brisk day, but you wrap up warm in the sunshine, there is, you know, it, it can be really, really enjoyable. And the, kind of the, the nightmare scenarios of winter golf are, are really a, a, almost a, a falsehood because is, um, you know, there is plenty to, to enjoy at this time of year. If you have the time, of course, you know, obviously shorter days and all the rest of it and, you know, busy at this time of year. But if you have some free time, you know, go and, go and uh, hit the golf course and see how you get on at this time of year. Keep your game in check going into next season. But, of course, I think we're actually due now. Before we move on to the next segment of this special Christmas festive edition of the Golf Street Podcast, I think we're due another one of Matt Holbrook's obscure golf facts. <laughs> well, actually, it's, uh, it's very um, very apt that you just talked about the winter weather. And did you know that in 1964, due to torrential weather, a match between Oxford and Cambridge golfing societies actually lasted for two months? There we wow. go. The- a two-month golf match. So it sounds like my, my kind of heaven. But I, I, was, I was about to say, you know, people complain now about slow play, but that's two months for a round. So that's ridiculous, that. Ages, yeah. my goodness. So there you are. So this is, this is great stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm loving these facts right now. There's so much oh, more. Oh, well, we, we, so we shall more. delve into some of them as we, <laughs> as we progress through this. But of course, reflecting now on 2018 in golf, obviously at the start of the year, we all had our hopes and ambitions for the season ahead what golf courses we're going to play, how many rounds we're going to tick off, what, how our handicap was going to improve, what we're going to do throughout the year. And for many of us, those expectations were not fulfilled. But for some of us, they were. So Matt Holbrook, how was your year in golf? Good. Um, I mean, firstly, uh, what, what one of the things I made a decision um, kind of March, April time this year, to actually move away from my um, change change course where I was a member, mm-hmm. um, and due to the fact that my my personal life, my living arrangements had changed slightly, I was doing a bit of travelling back to the course where I'd been a member for four and a half years. I loved it there. I'd um, you know a fair amount of success there. But what I noticed last year, um, and I've got the I've got the golf shake stats tracked to prove it. Um, <clears throat> I, I just didn't play as much golf last year as what I wanted to, as what I needed to. Um, so I moved to a course that was a little bit closer to me and I've just played a lot more golf this year. So, um, I've got some highlights that I can, I can share with you. Um, one of which is the fact that my, my handicap is this year is the lowest it's been. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just going to end the year on 9.8. 
Um, having started the year, I think at 11.2, uh, no, sorry, 11.9, I started the year. So um, that's that's dropped down a little bit. Um, and that's just purely through, you know, I, I do work hard. Um, I've done, uh, aim point has been, been a big thing for me with my short game. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a, did a, a big short game clinic with the guys at the, on the tour golf network, which is like a, an online based group of golfers that are just there to try and get better and pick up tips. Yep. Um, and that's, that's really helped the short game work I've done this year has really helped, but just being more active, just playing more golf has, has definitely helped. Um, and then another highlight, surprisingly, having played golf now for so long, I actually managed to get my first ever eagle this year. Oh, wow, okay. Um, I never, never had one before. It just didn't happen. It just hadn't happened for me. You know, I know, I know people that, you know, may have a 20-hour handicap and have had 10 holes in one, for example, and stuff <laughs> like that. And, you know, I've got to where I have with the game, never having an eagle. But I actually, on our 15th hole, I, I hold out a gap wedge from 118 yards. I watched it go in, so that was nice. Um, but without a shadow of doubt, the biggest highlight, and this even beats having my handicap drop to the lowest it's been, was winning the 10th hole <laughs> challenge at the Brabazon with the other Golf Shake ambassadors. <laughs> you know, the thing is, it's funny you said that because I was actually going to mention that if you didn't mention it. So I was going to bring it up regardless. So I, I had you covered there anyway, so I was going to bring you up oh, there. So, and yeah, that 10th that hole challenge is tremendous. And it's, of course, on the Golf Shake website, the Golf Shake YouTube channel as well, where a group of our ambassadors at Golf Shake took on the famous temple <laughs> at the Brabison course at the Belfry, of course, you know, famous throughout the years for its Ryder Cup moments. And uh, they all took on the whole, took it on in a variety of different ways. Some, you know, more, I think, uh, impressive than others, but they all got to the green eventually. But only one man hold the putt for birdie. And that was indeed our man here, Matt Holbrook. So he won the. And it, it was a, it was a, it, it was a, a green, uh, green hit one and a two putt birdie. It was just, Let's not uh, skip the minor details. Right, well, that's true. I do apologise for that. Yes, he actually took on the green and he hit the green on the short par four, the drivable par four, but the risk and reward par four, because obviously people who will know that whole well will know the water is a hazard there. You can take up the left-hand side and sort of wedge it in. Some of the more you know, cautious players in the group did that. Um, but again, in the end, fortune favours the brave, and it did in this particular case. Uh, so, yeah, it was very impressive. And, uh, well, actually... You know, actual golf was impressive, but I think your celebration was even more impressive. We had the full you know, putter drop, you know, walking off with the arms aloft. We had it all. So um, I think I think the cool kids call that tour sauce. So, so there's some tour sauce being laid out there by <laughs> Matt Holbrook uh, attempt for the Brabazon. So yeah, I think that's hard to beat. So yeah, I think um, yeah, we, 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 I don't I don't like to talk about it. Oh, clearly not. Of course, uh, as I say, <laughs> if you didn't mention it, I was going to bring it up anyway. Which of course, you know, I'm glad you did it for me. So that's good. Uh, obviously, you can read my mind telepathically. So yes, we'll link to that as well. But it's certainly worth watching. We actually have a good collection of some of the the best uh, golf. And challenge videos and some of the fun videos in golf shoot we've gotten together into one place on the website now we can actually watch all the kind of the the days out that some of our readers and ambassadors have had over uh, not just this year but in previous years as well put into one place and there's some uh, some very entertaining stuff there too of course you know matt touched on the the brabas and tentful challenge uh, there's also well <laughs> one that i personally featured in uh, which was the uh, the challenge playing the Himalayas putting course here in St Andrews, where I delightfully hammed up just big time for the camera, my inner 
performer just came out and I just sort of tried to take over the whole thing. However, I tried to make it more. I, I remember, I remember seeing you dancing. If that, if that's right, I think if anybody watches that video and can screen grab Kieran dancing on the Himalayas course and post it on social media, then there should be a there should be a little prize up for grabs. But for I, t- anybody I tell you what, actually, you you say that, and it's not because I have immense vanity, which of course I do, but. I actually have a GIF of that, the dance now, on my computer. So I actually have that there, so I can... I think that's totally acceptable. I've, I've got GIFs of, of my of my celebrations on the 10th pole. <laughs> the 10th pole challenge at Velfry is totally acceptable. Oh, there you go. That's fine then. We're kindred spirits there. But yeah, so again, there's plenty of good stuff there to watch. If you're, obviously, you'll see dark nights at winter. If there's nothing good on the TV, they'll you know, get, on, get on the your phone or get on the computer or the laptop or the iPad and go and see some of the, the golf chic videos because there's some good stuff there. And, of course, part of it is uh, Matt's crowning moment on the Brabazon at the Belfry. Um, so, yeah. I think for me, in terms of the golf this year, um, I, I was thinking about it. I haven't played that much golf. I haven't really played much golf for the past couple of years. But I've actually, in terms of quality over quantity, I'm I'm I'm, I'm very pleased with what I've done this year. As I've had the chance to play some just you know wonderful, wonderful golf courses where uh, I've I, I've played I've played the old course here at St Andrews. I've played the new course here. I've played actually played all the golf courses here in the town, but elsewhere as well, which is obviously you know fantastic and a, always a great experience there. You know, particularly playing the old course, which I think was my favourite round of the year in the summer, just before the Open this year, and the wonderful sunshine in the winter and the twilight round. It, it was absolutely magical. Uh, really, kind of get into the heart and soul of the game, and uh, it was a round that I think ranks up very highly among some of my favourite ever so that was um, one that really stands out as being my personal highlight but elsewhere I had a chance to play the likes of uh, the Balcomi Links at Crail which is a very historic golf course just outside St Andrews about 8 miles away had a chance to play there which was a great experience so we actually played there in the fog or actually it's, they call it the Har here in Scotland where the, sort of the sea fog came up over the water onto the golf course and it went from being glorious sunshine and you know wonderful weather to about 10 minutes later where you couldn't see more than about 10 feet in front of you. Despite that, of course, we kept on playing and it was one of the most surreal rounds ever because we, you literally couldn't see where you were going. At one point, and we were actually, actually playing that day, I was playing that day with actually one of our mutual acquaintances, uh, a previous Golf Shake podcast guest, uh, Mr. Stuart Armstrong, who we will certainly tag into this too. And he played that day with me and, and some friends we had over from America, uh, Howard and Janelle Gluckman, who are on Twitter as well. And they were over for to a trip to Scotland. We played at Crail. And the, it was that bad, the fog. is one par three on the back nine where quite literally we couldn't see the green. So Fuzzy Armstrong, being the, you know, the willing candidate that he is, he volunteered to actually run up to the green stand in front of it and wave so we could even see where it was. So we had, we'd hit our shots, he'd actually jump to the ground and the ball would go over his head and go towards the green. So he, he became a, a human marker pole, I guess. So it was a very odd round. Uh, so we, didn't, we didn't quite get to see Crail at its best, but it's certainly a great place to work and worth checking out. But elsewhere, had a chance to play the championship course at Carnoustie this year and back in May, uh, just you know, obviously two months before the Open there, uh, which was just a wonderful experience. We played there with um, my, my golf shake colleagues, Darren Ramowski, and uh, our former golf shake colleague, and sadly missed indeed, Mr. Owen Davis as well. We played at Carnoustie there. 
uh, just a wonderful experience to play the championship course. So we've actually with the grandstands for the open up in place. It was just kind of, kind of a, as, a, as, a, as a, a kid growing up, that would be kind of the dream to be in that scenario. I had that chance there. And actually those videos that were filmed by Owen that day, uh, taking you through the finish to that course, are still out there and are certainly worth checking out over the winter. And obviously Carnoustie being showcased in July. You're a wonderful golf course, great venue. And if you want to go and play there at some point in the future, go and check out those, that, that content on Golf Shake. But um, and then later on in the summer, uh, again with our, our Golf Shake guys, I had a chance to go and play at, uh, at uh, Monty Fief, which is near Carnoustie, a wonderful links course there. And and also that I played at the Fairmont Hotel at St Andrews as well. So there, you know, there are so many to kind of tick off, and almost hard. So in terms of quality this year, I've played some wonderful golf courses and had some great company and some some very enjoyable rounds. And for me, that that's kind of what I value the most. Is it's not so much the game improvement or beating a certain handicap or beating a certain score. I also want to do as well as I can, but I just I try and take the most from just the experience of playing. And in terms of that, uh, 2018 has been a very good year. So it's one that I look back on with a great fondness uh, when I think about those rounds and those uh, those guys I've had the chance to play with this year. So very enjoyable indeed. So, Matt, I think we're due another Matt Hobbs. We're, we're due one. one indeed. So on you go. Here we go. <clears throat> okay, I'll just pull one out at random. Uh, Robert Clark conceded a hole while playing in a foursomes in Scotland in 1870, believing he'd lost his ball. But it actually scored a hole in one. <laughs> there we go, Rob Clark. No relation to me, by the way. What? But, um, no, what a that, nightmare. That is a nightmare. However, I think it was somewhat tempered by the fact that you had a hole in one. So that, that's pretty good too. But there we are, remarkable. But I suppose that, that, that could actually make sense. But there we are. He was obviously a very negative character, thinking that he had, he lost his ball. Yep. To... If you can't find your ball on a green, the first place you look is the hole, even if it's to make you feel good about you yourself. You see, and, and that right there is the difference between me and you. You're, you're optimistic, you're positive. <laughs> I am the opposite of that, and I just think I've lost my ball. Put down another one and play, continue playing. So I, I never do that. Um, actually, I always, you know, there have been occasions when I have done that, and I sort of think, this is, this is incredibly wishful thinking, but I'll do it anyway. It's nice to have that little brief moment of belief and hope. It's so rare on the golf course, so it's nice to have it when you, when you do. Yeah. So yes, you also set yourself up for a, a massive fall as well, because when you find the ball's not in the hole, you, you know, that, that's it. Dream over. <laughs> well, yeah, well, you know, it's happened to us all. But anyway, that's a feeling that I am I am used to, so it's okay. But yes, so uh, again, that's a great fact. There again, we'll have another one or two of those before the yeah. end of this podcast. But you know, Matt touched on there, obviously, you about your improvement this year, improving your handicap with more or less two shots, and that's something that I think if you look on year on year. And what, luckily on Golf Shake, obviously people who, are, who track their scores are able to look back at their yearly highlights and see their yearly roundup of all the rounds that they've played and all the their average score, the handicap improvement, all the rest of it. And it's a great thing there. And obviously we just obviously encourage you to go and check that out and see how you've improved this year compared to last year. And that can help, help you set goals for next season. But, you know, Matt, in terms of you, you know, like I said there, you've improved your handicap this year by two shots. You've generally, over the past five or six years, kind of almost done that on average year on year. Uh, you, you go back five or six years ago, you're up there about 20 handicaps. So it's been a really impressive improvement mm. over the past you know, four or five years. Um, so you touched on earlier about your work ethic. You, you try hard. You, you follow different avenues. You, you, you try different things. Whatever can make you better, you're willing to embrace. So, you know, 
obviously every golfer listening to this, we all want to get better. We all want to play more, play better, shoot lower scores, enjoy the game more. Particularly if, you, of course, if you're a new player coming into the game, obviously there'll be guys listening to this, Matt, who are maybe only recently in the game the past few years who want to try and continue to improve and better themselves. So without trying to big you up, which I'm going to do a little bit, so you, you, you've done it. You're on the verge of being on proper single figures. So how did you do it? Tell us. Share your wisdom with us. Well, <clears throat> so I think, I, you know, over the years I, I look back and, and I think every year I, I was, I've been working on something different. Um, I think very early I recognised, and probably a lot of people go through it, is, you know, your, your very basic hitting fairways, hitting greens, um, you know, if if you two part every single green and you can hit every fairway and every green, you're going to shoot level par. That's mm-hmm. that's golf in a nutshell, right? It sounds pretty easy. We know it's not that easy, um, and we know realistically we're not going to shoot, uh, we're not going to hit every fairway and every green. But you know, then and then I think once I'd got over that fact that you know maybe a fifty sixty percent fairways is maybe quite reasonable for the level that I was at. And then you go away and you work on your putting or your chipping. Um, and then it got to a point as you start losing shots, you then have to really start to concentrate on your course management, making mm-hmm. sure that you're, you know, picking the right shots at the right time. Um, something that I picked up a lot from uh, our good friend, uh, Steve Brotherhood, who does the tour caddy experience, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, was this whole, ask yourself how many times out of 10 you would pull off what you're trying to achieve. You know, so if there's another option that, you know, you might pull it off, say, eight out of 10 times instead of pulling off the shot you want to play four out of 10 times, take that option and then back yourself from there. Um, You know, knowing where to miss, knowing where to go at a pin, where not to go at a pin, um, respecting stroke indexes, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, there's that. And then, and then you get lower and lower, and then you have to start looking at your short game again, um, because actually 36 putts around is probably not good enough if you want to get down to single figures. That needs to be closer to 28, 29 putts around, maybe even lower than that. Um, and it's your, then you start thinking about stroke gains and, um, <clears throat> you know, where are you picking up shots? Where are you losing shots? What's your strengths? What are your weaknesses? So you know it's it's a continuous journey and you have to you have to keep looking at what areas you want to improve but then never kind of rest on the fact that you've improved a certain area strengths can always be made stronger mm-hmm. um you know and, and to this day I still don't think I'm a great driver of the golf ball I don't feel like I hit as many fairways as I can or I should be doing um and I also don't hit the ball very far but when when I do miss fairways, I, I tend to make the right decision. I won't go crazy, um, and more often than not, you can escape with sometimes a par, maybe a bogey, and, and you move on. You know that's that's the beauty of this game. It's just one bad hole, and you and then you 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 move on. Oh, absolutely is. And you mentioned there, Matt. Obviously, the looking at your your game and trying to identify areas to improve and what you're doing well, what you aren't doing so well. So, how important it in, in that endeavour? Has, and you've been very active doing this through the years in Golf Shake, is tracking your stats, seeing how many fairways you hit, how many greens you hit, all the other stats there. How helpful has that been for you to identify areas to improve and also to almost influence how you approach taking on certain holes and, again, also your, your course management? So how has stat tracking influenced your game? 
Um, it's it's been it's been absolutely paramount to the success that I've had with getting my handicap to where it is. Um, and actually, it's you know I think a lot of people are quite I wouldn't say narrow minded about oh you know I, I don't need to know how many fairways and greens I hit, but actually it's a lot. It's a there's there's a lot more to it. You know when you actually dive into into the golf shake system and you and you look at things. Yeah, you know, I think I've got you know I must be between four hundred and fifty and five hundred rounds tracked now. Mm-hmm. You know what? What I'm able to do is I'm able to compare, you know, yearly as you know, am I, you know, my my putting, for example, you know, has it got better consistently over the years or is it the same? Um, you know, I can then compare. You know, I can then look at things like hole lengths. You know, what, what are my trends? Do I score? Do I score worse on longer holes or shorter holes? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's that's with you know, you can look individually at par threes, par fours. Um, you know, I can analyze my course, my home course. I can go onto the golf shake system and I can get my own set of stroke indexes, which I know for a fact don't match with the course stroke indexes. Um, you know, we've got, we've got, I've got two par fives at my, at my course and actually playing off, I playing off 10, a playing handicap of 10. I get shots on both of those holes, but they're actually my stroke index 17 and 18. They're the two holes that I play the best at my golf course. Right. Um, and being able to being able to look, okay, what's my three or four hardest holes at my golf uh, my golf course based on what I'm scoring, and what do I need to do to improve on those holes? Because obviously I'm playing the other holes slightly better anyway. Do I get shots on them holes? Do I need to think about my strategy a little bit more? Um, you know, so there's there's so much more just to just to you know putting in your fairways, your greens, your bunkers and and your putts. There's once you collate all that information and you add it up over a period of time, it really enables you to to dive right into, you know, a next level and then probably a level under that to really work on what needs to be uh done specifically to your game and more importantly to what is my home golf course. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, you know, you can, you know, you're tremendously well said, and I think you're absolutely right there. You know, it's, it's so much about you know how you obviously recording the stats, but so much it was about reading the stats correctly. And again, the information is there on Golf Shake. If you track your scores there, it's um, you know it's a great resource, and again, it's something that if you use it properly, it can be really beneficial in terms of improving your game and identifying you know all sorts of issues and and potential improvements that could be made, or also things to try and avoid. Uh, obviously, how you even approach specific holes as matt touched on there so yeah i, I think that's you know i think there's been a, a great a great um a great point there and again you've really you, you've delved into that in greater detail than i expected which is fantastic and i think it is it's there and it's been fun to sort of track your improvement on golf shake through the years and see you year on year get better and better and see how you've used the, the score tracker and the stats analysis to actually you know, improve your own game and uh, give you kind of pointers as to where you can go and, and, and work on stuff so yeah i think for anybody listening to this i think that's a great lesson for them as well is that if you do track your your stats in golf we hope that you do if you're part of the community you're very active in that then if you delve into those stats you can really identify areas to improve on going into next season and indeed beyond so matt before we move <laughs> on to kind of our 2019 ambitions i think it's time for another obscure fact I was going to say it got it got all quite serious there for a little while, didn't it? Okay, I think I think you're going to like this one. According to Golf Magazine, Bernhard Langer was the slowest player on the pro circuit in the 1980s. <laughs> there we go. To be fair, that, that's probably the case now, and and the 90s. 
and the 2000s <laughs> and the 2010s and the way he's going probably 2020s and beyond because the guy's evergreen you know i think it's he's he's that slow he hasn't actually aged in, in 30 years he just sort of stays the same uh, a remarkable man wonderful player you know a great kind of uh, tactician on the golf course but yeah you know he's uh, famous for being quite i don't know what was what was a, a kind word uh, for calculating on the golf course, I guess. <laughs> he sort of plots his way around and he takes his time and he doesn't get rushed and flustered. So, yeah, remarkable player. So I, I, I can believe that. But as I say, I think that stat could actually be, uh, that fact could actually probably count uh, later through the years as well, being more contemporary than that. So, yeah, tremendous. But, of course, as I said there, Matt, obviously we, we delved into that there quite seriously and it was a, very, a great discussion to have. But looking ahead now to 2019, which almost seems like a science fiction sort of year. You know, we're actually 2019, really? We should have space cars by now and stuff like that. But no, we don't. We still have <laughs> the same stuff as before because obviously progression hasn't happened. We're still the same, really, for the most part. So in many ways... Instead of space instead of space cars, we've got emoji golf You balls. see, and that right there just, just <laughs> illustrates that civilization as we know it is about to collapse. That's it. That's a problem with society these days. And that, that's it. Social media and emoji golf balls have, have just, that's it, they've killed us. So that's it. We, we reached the tipping point and, we're, and we've crossed that now and now we're here. Emoji golf balls. That, that is the future. So before the world collapses in 2019, hopefully before that happens, we have some golf next year. So Matt, in terms of you, you know, obviously we've seen your year you've had, the, the improvement that you've made, you're on. You're now below ten on your handicap. Now you want to continue to improve. Obviously, the better you get, the harder it becomes to improve because you know the margins become even more fine to get better and better. Um, so, what are your ambitions for the coming year ahead? When we are sitting down here, twelve months from now, which which will probably fly by very quickly, I'll be sitting here probably wearing the same wearing the same jumper I am now, talking to you. Which is, you know, you think I'm joking? I probably will be. Actually, it's actually a golf jumper. I hope as long as it's been washed, I will be wearing the same jumper then. But however, so twelve months from now, what do you hope to look back on in 2019? Well, two things. Um, obviously, the first one, quite simply, would be the you know the the holy grail for me now is is the single figure, figure handicap. I'm you know I'm point four away from it. Um, so it's, it's not, it's not a crazy ask. I don't think. Um, and I think normally people would say, oh, I'd love to play more golf next year, but for me, I don't think that's possible. You know, I've tracked 73 rounds so far this year, mm-hmm. um, compared to 54, I believe last year. Um, so that's going to be difficult for me to play more than what I have this year. So, um, yeah, just, just more, you know, I'm, I'm currently having a course of lessons through the winter. So, um, hopefully that will go towards getting over the line for the single figure. Um, other than that, what have I got to look forward to at the moment? So I've got a trip to Le Golf National booked in for March. Wow. Um, so that will be great to to get over there and tick that Ryder Cup course off the list. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that would only leave Valderrama as the uh, European-based Ryder Cup courses that I haven't played. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and just, just more... You know, just just want to go out and enjoy it, like I did last year. And I had some had some good weekends away this year, and had some great times on the golf course. So, you know, just more of the same. And I think as the as the the group of Golf Shake Ambassadors is kind of getting bigger as well. So, you know, it'd be nice yes. to do more stuff with those guys next year as well. 
um, you know, go out and visit more courses that need their highly recommended window stickers, which, um, you know, it's great to see actually a lot of courses on social media now really starting to mm-hmm. yeah. kind of talk about the, the highly recommended status and, and pushing that to, 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 to their, to their visitors. So that's good. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's it for me. You know, those, those two things are probably the, the highlights and, um, yeah, I think the only other thing I can think of because it's something that I get a lot of grief about is when me and you get on the podcast, it needs to be less than 50 minutes because I'm getting some unbelievable banter and stick from some of the other guys around how long it takes me and you to get through a podcast. <laughs> well, well, okay. Now you've just said that we shall, we shall, we shall, I'm guaranteeing this will not last 50 minutes. So yes, you're probably right there. Bre- brevity is perhaps the future, but you know, we delve into different things. We can get carried away. We do. We have a lot to talk about. We do. We do. I see. I, I think it's actually a positive that we can yeah. actually fill up so much podcast time with our nonsense. I think it's great. Exactly. So, yeah. Nothing wrong with that at all. So yeah, I think those are very admirable ambitions for next year. You touched on the highly recommended status there for golf courses and venues all across the country. Again, everybody listen to this. If you track your scores on golf, even if you actually don't, you can go onto the website there or through the app and record a, a review of the golf course that you've played and over a variety of different criteria, give it a star rating, overall rating, kind of reflecting your expectations going in, and that will contribute to its overall rating. And again, golf courses of a certain level on golf, will, be, will get highly recommended status. Uh, which is, so it's a great way to actually support your golf club or a place that you're very fond of because um, online reviews are now becoming increasingly uh, important, uh, not just in the golf industry, but elsewhere as well, where... I think previous golf shake surveys have found that I think over 80% of golfers do check online reviews before going to a golf course. So if you want to support your golf club or a place that you know well, the more reviewed it is, the better reviewed it is, the, the, the more it will stand out and that can be a positive for it too. So you go and support that and uh, track, your, track your, your scores and stats and of course your course reviews on golf shake as well. And actually we have a, a great deal, a great series of actually articles on the website at the moment for looking at some of the, the, the top rated golf courses and venues from the past year across all different regions over all different criterias and picking out some perhaps places to inspire you to go and play next year if you're looking for some golf courses to go and play or to tick off some places to go and visit then near you or even further beyond that then there's plenty of information there on golf shake but this quickly matt you touched on um at the moment you're getting some your know, winter lessons so i wonder Obviously, we talked about quickly there your your improvement year on year, but obviously winter time is a funny year for golfers where a lot of us put the clubs away, don't really play, maybe go to the range once or twice. Some people don't even do it at all, i.e. me, but um, others, of course, are more keen. So, you know, how have you? How do you keep your game in check over winter? Because obviously, the fact that you're continuing to improve is every year it's a progression. So, obviously, what you're doing over the winter is maintaining that progression so how have you been able to accomplish that each winter yeah i think the uh, i think the winter period is actually quite key for me because what i what i tend to do is i, I will you know i will visit the range maybe twice sometimes three times a week um this year i've decided that i'm going to have one lesson a month um and that's just trying to make certain parts of my game a little bit more solid um i tend to be you know i kind of fix something and then i tend to be an overfixer. so what i'm fixing in theory within a period of time then kind of becomes a fault in my game mm-hmm. um you know if i'm hitting it right and i'm fixing it to try and hit it left it will go straight for a, a few weeks and then it will start going left because i kind of overcompensate um 
but you know, and then and then winter golf for me is is quite important. I've always tried to look at, you know, if I can go out and shoot, you know, around my handicap. Bearing in mind the ball's not going very far, you know, the ball's not going as far. You're not getting as much run. You're, you know, you're hitting longer clubs into greens. Um, you've got, you know, course conditions come into the weather conditions. So I just think if I can play in or around my handicap through the winter period, come the springtime when the conditions start going a little bit better, you're on you're on a good track to, you know, in theory start kicking on. Um, you know, and then I, I'm ready to start the season. I know people that won't pick the golf clubs up until the end of March, early April, and then it takes them two or three months to get back into the rhythm. And by the time they've done that, the season's over. <laughs> Yeah, indeed, indeed. That that is golf. Well, actually, you know that, that charge can be levelled at me. I'm afraid. So yeah, <laughs> I do that most years, as if I have to start learning how to play again at the start of a season. But yeah, absolutely. You touched on there. Obviously, the playing in winter. I actually think that playing in winter it tests a different skill set. You know, it will test your scrambling, your kind of grinding ability in a golf course, and those kind of attributes will stand you well for the actually the, the golf year ahead when the season begins and the weather gets better and the course is improved and you're being able to actually get around a golf course in winter and a good score. I think that's actually a, an invaluable skill to have. And uh, so, yeah, fantastic. So, yeah, hopefully everyone listening to this is, is still keeping their game ticking over in some way, even if it is just putting on the living room carpet. It's something. Do something. Try and keep your game whatever way you can in check over winter. And uh, again, like Matt has done, you know, set your ambitions for next year, set your goals, try and aim for something, and again, embark on the golf sheet score tracker and, and try and see how that can help you get to those goals. Uh, for me next year, for me, it's always really the same as just uh, try and play a bit more, try and play more regularly, get into a routine. Um, I kind of have little thoughts in my head what I want to do kind of score-wise, but really just in the end, just keep playing, try and enjoy it and uh, try and meet different people and uh, try and play some, some different golf courses and, and that sort of thing. That's kind of what motivates me uh, and just in, enjoy the game. And uh, thankfully, it's a game that when I still play, I still enjoy it very much. So that's uh, that gives me some kind of hope uh, going forward. So hopefully I'll have a, a few more good days to come in 2019. So Matt, I think it's time for one more, just one more obscure Christmas golf fact so let's have it make it a good one one more okay so in 2012 at the alfred dunhill Lynx championship paul casey had his ball stolen by a dog <laughs> now what we're going to do for anyone that listens this far into the podcast if anybody can tweet me golf shake kian the name of that dog i will personally send them a prize okay well there you go so we want the name of the dog that stole Paul Casey's golf ball in the 2012 Alfred Dunhill Lynx Championship. Wow. Well, they, the challenge has been laid down there. If you want to go and tweet Matt, you will find him on at Matt Holbrook 86. He's there on Golf Shake uh, as well. Also, you can tweet the Golf Shake channel too and just uh, we'll see if anyone can identify the name of that dog. That's a remark. I, I didn't know that, actually. That's fantastic. So there we go. There we go. Right on your doorstep. You should know that. that. I had no idea. Wow. My goodness. So there we are. That, that, was a, that was a good fact to end it. So if anybody, anybody out there has made it this far in the podcast, well, you know, reconsider your life priorities. But also, in addition to that, you know, try and take up Matt and his challenger and try and identify the name of that dog. So, yeah, tremendous. So, Matt, it's been a real pleasure to spend Christmas in your company. 
So I hope it's a a wonderful Christmas time for you and your family. And uh, looking ahead to 2019, I hope the new year brings with it some good happiness and good health and all the rest of it. All the, all those greeting card things that I'm going to say with a relative sincerity. So yes, I hope it's a wonderful Christmas and new year for you. Any final thoughts for the listeners before we let them go? Yeah, just, you know, for for those listening, you know, thanks for listening. Thanks for the support that people show Golf Shake. You know, I know we've got we've got a team of ambassadors out there and, you know, but I know there's lots of other people that do consistently add and share rounds and get involved in things on social media. And, you know, it's good to see the clubs, as I said earlier, getting involved a little bit more as well. So, you know, everything that everybody does, we appreciate, um, you know, and we look forward to doing a lot more in, in 2019. So, you know, happy Christmas to everybody stay safe and hopefully see as many of you out on the golf course next year as we can well said indeed and again we again i echo that where we thank you for being for being part of the golf shit community in whatever way that is whether it be on social media on the score tracker on the newsletters on the podcast anywhere you're engaging with golf shit we're very appreciative of that we hope we give you value for that time and hopefully going into next year as well that you continue to be part of the golf shit community engaging with it more on the score tracker on the course section all the different channels and hopefully if you have your you have some friends in golf you let, tell tell them about us you know share it try and spread the word and uh, you'll make golf shake a real community for the for the regular golfer the average player and uh, making it a, a great resource and a fun thing to be part of for everybody so Again, it's yeah, and also just just on that, Ken. You know, if you see us, you know, we, we you can recognise us. We've got golf shake jumpers and t-shirts on. We've got golf shake pitch mark repairers. We've got golf shake head covers. You know, if you see us on the course at any time, come over and say hello, and you know, ask about the website, ask about tracking your stats, and we'll gladly give you some time. Indeed, indeed, and 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 if you see Matt Holbrook on the golf course, ask him about Paul Casey's dog. He might actually give you the answer to that. So go and see him there too. Um, yeah, again, everybody. We hope you had a wonderful year in golf. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. But we have a, have a wonderful Christmas time and New Year, and hopefully, twenty nineteen will fulfil every wish you have and beyond that. So, as always on Golf Shake, we want you to go out there and play more and play better. My name is Kieran Clark, alongside Golf Shake Ambassador Matt Holbrook. Until twenty nineteen, Merry Christmas and a very Happy New Year to you all. Thank you for listening. Until next time.